Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening. You're listening to another episode of Bright Lights, Consumer Trends in Conversation with Element 54. I'm your host, Julianne Ng. In today's episode of Food Futures, where we look at food trends from the perspective of different industry experts, I have the privilege of speaking with Joe Lyons Rising. Joe is an insights and category management expert with over 15 years in the consumer packaged goods industry. He has advised and managed on over 70 food and non-food categories during his time at Nielsen Canada, McCain Foods, and most recently as Director of Customer Insights with Sofina Foods. Joe has vast category and shopper experience in the food industry working with such iconic brands as Jane's, McCain, Mastro, Lilydale, and President's Choice. Last month, he launched a unique social enterprise called Data Gives Back. Joe's new venture specializes in helping consumer packaged goods professionals with insights, career coaching, and analytic consulting, with 25% of all revenue donated to the Season Centre for Grieving Children in Barrie, Ontario. He is a mental health advocate, big Toronto Raptors fan, and father of two girls. Hi, Joe, and welcome to the show. Hi, Julianne. Thanks so much for having me. It's really exciting to be having this uh, this podcast. This is actually my, my first interviewed podcast uh, as founder and, and uh, part of my new startup of Data Gives Back. So to start, tell me a little bit about your personal passions related to food. Well, I think first and foremost, it, it would come down to the fact that I really enjoy cooking. I really enjoy eating. And, and it's been interesting, actually, through COVID, I have spent a lot more time uh, cooking, barbecuing, and, um, and even doing more of the grocery shopping that I have in the past. So that's from a personal perspective, but outside of that, uh, I've really enjoyed working on so many different Canadian food brands and international food brands over the 15 years in the CPG industry. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing um, your perspective given the rich experience that you have. Thank you. What do you see as the top trends in the food and beverage industry, and how has this changed, if at all, and I'm sure it has, due to COVID-19? And these trends could really include anything related to ingredients, um, food beverage category growth or declines, types of diet, sustainability, or anything related to the demand, consumption, and production of food or beverages. It's been a pretty wild kind of roller coaster ride, right, this the last six months, I believe what we've seen is the largest shift in, in shopper and consumer behavior in the lifetime of, of many of the CPG professionals and consumers. It probably is the biggest shift, honestly, since uh, World War II. So really, from an insights, marketing, sales perspective, uh, it, is, it has been an exciting time. It's been a very busy time. And I think that before I even go through, I really want to give special thanks to all the frontline plant workers and, and really supply chain miracle workers that made sure that, you know, Canadians were fed. All the out of stocks that we ran into uh, were, were supplied and um, they continue to do that month over month um, as we, we go through this pandemic and try to figure out what's to come. Now, there have been a number of big shifts really in shopping consumer behavior some of the big ones are the big spikes in online shopping especially with grocery shopping um, it's been you know three or four times growth and as well as baking at home which has really driven huge demand 
for even things like like flour and other baking products. But today I really wanted to chat about this other trend that I'm noticing that I think is really interesting around buying local and and how buying local, you know, although it's not a new trend, has really accelerated through COVID-19 in Canada. The eating local movement in itself, I mean, it's been around for many years. It's not something new in terms of, um, you know, retailers or marketers really wanting to promote the fact that they're a Canadian brand or Canadian company or product. But it's interesting to see that when we've done research in the past on brand equity studies, MUNA studies, that hasn't been as much of a, of a purchase decision that you would expect. But through COVID, there's been a pretty big increase in this kind of community rally around these products. In a recent Mintel sustainability and food study for Canada, they actually reported that about 55% of Canadians are eating local. And when we look at local trends, what we see is that this word local kind of means different things to different people. Okay, so for some people, local means buying Canadian products, which makes sense. In other cases, it's, you know, eating products made in, in Quebec or made in British Columbia, or it's made within their own town. Um, I guess for some, they could also say that uh, eating or supporting local um, could be even things like the latest uh, Drake video and him hiring uh, Justin Bieber to play him the latest video pop star to show his uh, Canadian pride. But we're not quite talking about that today. Yeah, I think the uh, whole local movement, as you said, um, you know, as being in the research industry, we certainly see um, clients across many different industries beyond food having been interested um, in how much of an influence local could have in terms of purchase interest and swaying uh, decisions for different brands. But it has never come up very strongly um, relative to other drivers of brand choice. So I think it's interesting that you bring this up because it does sound like COVID in many ways has accelerated that trend and given it much greater importance than it's ever had before. Yeah, and, and I, I look at, try to understand, you know, what's underneath, like as a key driver, like why is this really taking this, this uptick in um, like buying, buying decision? And I, th I think it really comes down to the fact that through COVID-19, I mean, Canada is not really alone in the fact that we couldn't really rely on this, this global supply chain, right? This, this, this machine, this global supply chain that we've built up over decades. We were now faced with the fact, you know, and, and in case of uh, frontline healthcare workers, we needed PPE, or P, sorry, PPE uh, equipment. Uh, we needed it as fast as possible. Uh, we, we didn't have enough supply of it. And we know the challenges sourcing that globally outside of Canada was a challenge. So I, I feel like it started there to really bring Canadians together, especially in the manufacturing space. I mean, we're talking about some pretty big changes. Like you had alcohol companies now producing hand sanitizer, just an amazing shift with, within their plants. Uh, I also saw really, really great initiatives like hockey um, equipment manufacturers, again, changing the lines in their plants and, and now producing face shields. Uh, as as part of uh, PPE gear for that frontline uh, healthcare and plant staff, 
And I think also um, is interesting is that, I mean, typically I think we have kind of a more of a quiet pride in Canada. Uh, we're not quite as boisterous with our Canadian flags as, as other countries. And we might only see, you know, a lot of this on like a Canada day or maybe last year's um, Toronto Raptors uh, championship rally. Another piece I think that's also helped is help drive this is also the local support of our, of our food service industry, right? So the food service industry has, has just gone through such a challenging time through COVID from being completely closed down in many cases to just having a limited amount of availability in dining rooms and then also having just to rely on delivery to, to try to meet things, make uh, ends meet. I mean, personally, through the early, early weeks of COVID, um, the first thing I did when I heard about, you know, what the restaurants were going through is I reached out to some of my, my good friends that are restaurant operators and just, you know, to see what I could do to support them, whether it was, you know, buying gift cards to use at a later, a later time. Um, I even ordered uh, four cases of, of Tallboy uh, sweetgrass beer to be delivered. Um, a good friend of mine owns the Oldspot Pub in the Danforth, and they also own sweetgrass beer. So I think the community has come together to try to figure out how we can try to save these, these institutions. Um, and it's something we, we really need as Canadians to continue through the winter months to support, support our uh, food service operators. Yeah, it's a great point that you bring up about the food service operators, because in another one of our um, Food Futures podcast episodes, we speak with two professional chefs. They said that the, the biggest issue with, you know, the restaurant industry right now is actually just, like you said, staying afloat. As you mentioned as well, it's about uh, using food delivery, because without that, many restaurants are going under. So it's nice to see the community come together and people who don't even normally eat out that much are choosing to order food just to help the restaurants in their community. Definitely agree. I think Restaurants Canada has done an excellent job of trying to be a voice for the, the restaurant and uh, food service hospitality industry, but still lots of work to do. So as a plug, uh, you really need to go out and uh, wherever possible, buy directly from the restaurant, either patios uh, where you can in inside or um, pick up directly from the restaurant. So what do you see going on in terms of the retail grocery sector? Because when we think about, again, recession proof or now pandemic proof type of sectors, then retail grocery seems to be one of those that I would say have thrived during this time. You really hit the nail on the head there is around this recession proof type thing where it's, it's really more of a shift, right? And we actually saw it in 2008 where once, cons- you know, consumers are a bit more strapped for cash, they'll look at ways to, to cut back and they'll eat out, eat out less and, and cook more at home through COVID. It's quite a bit different here. We're you know, really confined to eating at home. And so we, we know we've seen all the pictures of the, of the fancy sourdough breads and, and things, but when people are, are eating um, at home and buying retail grocery products like they've never, they never have before. And what this has done and from a local trend perspective is that it's also created this 
uh, support of your local grocery store, right? So if it's if it's your local metro uh, metro grocery store in uh, in Quebec, um, those residents in that, that trade area, um, you know, they've really looked highly at those at those uh, retailers and their staff for helping out their family. And what we're seeing, kind of like now, they're coming through the past like few months in in the pandemic is is now a call a call out to those products that are made in the region are made in Canada on the shelf in the flyers so i mean i would say the quebec region overall has done a great job for many years with their their aliment de quebec or made in quebec program but now we're seeing specific retail callouts so if, uh, for example in metro quebec stories you'll see poidry dc are, are made here and you'll either have the fleur de lis to indicate that it was made in Quebec or a maple leaf to show it was produced in Canada. And even on their website and uh, in Ontario or Quebec, you can easily determine which products uh, were made locally. So one that actually caught my eye recently is, is the uh, no frills flyer. I mean, the no frills flyer itself, you know, whether it's in Ontario, the West or the Atlantic regions, is a little bit larger than life, right? There's there's less products, larger images is very impactful. Um, but they now have added these, you know, made here or produced here kind of call out bubbles uh, with the Canadian flag on many of the items. And I actually noticed just this past week, uh, just one page dedicated to their Hall Canadian uh, page. And again, it was just featuring food products from all different types of categories and and really um supporting that message of of buying and, and shopping locally from a canadian perspective and in true you know la digital kind of fashion they had some fun with it on the the flyer itself so on that all canadian page it says and you know when you shop canadian at no frills you're helping to support canadian families cool right so do you see this trend um which as we said, has been actually around for a while. The whole locally produced trend, let's say, do you see it persisting or even, let's say, growing more so than what you're seeing now as a result of COVID-19? Yeah, so I don't, I don't really view it as a fad or um, a trend that's going away anytime soon, especially not until, you know, we really get COVID uh, under control uh, which may or may not be when there's when there's uh, vaccines put in place, but I think what we know now is that you know we're looking at a, at a few years, right? So what that means is that this this trend um, will continue to strengthen. I think we're not going to see the uptick that we see in the past six months per se, because again we saw the biggest some of the biggest shifts in in behavior uh, ever. Um, what that means is that, you know, when marketing and insights professionals run their 2020 consumer studies, they should see a pretty big uptick in the importance of, of local or you know, Canadian made or provincially made products. But I think what we're going to see is that as we go through the rest of COVID and post COVID, there's going to be like this personal attachment, um, that I think many Canadian consumers are going to have to those local companies and local brands that helped keep their family fed 
and safe while also helping the, the local economies, which is really important piece. So I have a question related to this, which is, you know, when you think about trends, anything around like sustainability and the environment and Sometimes um, marketers believe that people just overstate the importance because it's socially acceptable or the right thing to say. Do you have evidence that, for example, you mentioned the different campaigns for Metro No Frills, or do you have any type of evidence um, across your experience to say that this is actually resulting in an uptick in sales? versus just being a feel-good type of thing? I don't currently have hard data, and, and that's part and parcel that this is so new. When I was with Sofina, we, we hadn't run any new studies. Like many companies had kind of held off a bit, right, until we, we saw the, the consumer behavior play out more through COVID. Uh, what I do know, though, is that in many of the, you know, top category driving growth through COVID, you're, they're being led by um, Canadian brands. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't top brands before and that their growth isn't also due to COVID. Um, but again, I'm just hypothesizing. I don't have the hard numbers. But again, there's there's um, huge growth numbers on, on some of these top brands in Canada. So I think it's something that Again, marketers, insights folks will want to keep an eye on and, and sales um, to see how those Canadian brands have played out versus some of the other um, global brands. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think if there's any time where we would actually see the impact of this type of local messaging, it would be now. And even if it's not now, it could be three months out, six months out. So it's definitely something worth monitoring. All right. So what do you see as the biggest challenges for different players in the food and beverage industry and with respect to this local food trend that you've identified? On the grocery side, I, th I see challenges potentially for some brands that, that aren't local, trying to get new listings, trying to resonate more with, with their shoppers or consumers. They, they may have uh, some more challenges that way. So the other piece is that you know, there's many Canadian companies that have challenges putting claims on their products that say made it made or produced in Canada because parts of the parts of the uh, the inputs of the of the products are coming from other countries or they're also um, being you know produced in other countries as well. So that that could be a challenge. So with uh, respect to those challenges then based on all the experience that you have do you have any pieces of advice um, for right, whether it's food service marketers in the food manufacturing sector or for the grocery retail to address any of these issues well i'd say there's there's never a, really a better time to promote the fact that you are you know local or Canadian product or, um, and, and that's going to resonate more than it ever has with, with consumers. But even on a different level is, you know, from an analytics perspective is trying to understand a bit more of those like micro markets, right? Because, um, you know, 
obviously just talking total Canada is way too broad, even at a total provincial level can be pretty broad depending on, on how you want your trade marketing programs to run. So there's an amazing amount of like granular store level data. Now you can get in your POS data systems with your, your grocery information. And what I've seen done in the past is creating these cool regional clusters where you can really zone in and understand that like a trade area and, and the needs around that it's, it's not, you know, the, uh, the, the typical type of work and it, it is kind of more of a granular approach, but understanding that consumer at that level, I think will also help, um, help brands and, and companies uh, grow share or defend market share. And what happens if you're faced with the challenge, as you mentioned earlier, of, you know, having that labeling that you're locally made or manufactured, whatever the case may be, because there are components which are coming from other countries? Or what if you're um, a company that isn't locally made at all? What might be some ways to address that? Well, I would definitely get involved in subtype of community outreach, um, could be sponsorship of, of other programs, but really it has to be from an authentic standpoint. I mean, there's been actually so many great uh, charitable initiatives that I've seen CPG companies and retailers getting behind through COVID. It's actually been really inspiring. I would say you got you know, continue to do those and, and using as much of the Intel insights that you have about your changing shopper and consumer um, to, to really tailor your, your messaging to them. Okay, that's great. And one last question before I ask you a little bit about your most uh, recent social enterprise, and that is which food or beverage categories do you think have thrived during COVID? And do you expect these trends to continue through the fall with back to school? Well, I think, I mean, I think everyone knows about kind of toilet paper gate, they're calling it now, um, where shoppers were buying maybe a year, a year's worth of toilet paper at a time. Um, there's, but there's been, you know, outside of that, and that was really during the initial, initial uh, uh, pandemic panic buying, if you will, is, you know, you have other, other categories um, in frozen, frozen categories have, have been growing. Uh, dramatically and they've really sustained that growth just given the fact that you can have a product in your in your freezer for you know up to a year and because i've worked in the the frozen um space for many many years across many different categories and you know it's an area that is actually a little bit underdeveloped and there's a lot of great food in the frozen area especially when you come down to like the nutrient value is actually really high in a lot of products during flash, flash freezing, but it's obviously just really helped Canadians uh, stock up on product. And again, if you have that extra freezer, um, like just like my my wife and I do, I know that it it really helped us out. It really helped make sure we had we had food uh, really at the ready. Outside of that was uh, really anything from a shelf stable perspective. There is some significant growth on those shelf stable categories that helped the center of store kind of really come back to life in a huge way. I think there's also, there was definitely that element 
of concern about safety uh, on, on some of the fresh products. Again, I don't have data on that, but just looking at, you know, from a, a frozen perspective, um, a frozen vegetable might have posed uh, a little bit less of a, of a health risk to a consumer. I think that a lot of that has now gone away. Like we know how hard and, and, and really how safe the food is. There's, I think there's really been hardly any cases of any trace through food. So um, that part's changed, but I think we're kind of on the verge now of the second wave and, and, you know, talking about a next wave of stock up, right? So the interesting thing is that we're already in this peak seasonal time for frozen foods back to school, you know, and, and through to return to school in, in January is the time when you want to turn on the ovens and, and have some more comfort foods and easier entrees to serve. So I think you're going to get, it's going to be pretty interesting. You're going to get an even higher growth rate on some of those categories uh, because of, of COVID. So thank you again, Joe, for your perspective today. It's been very insightful. Well, it's my pleasure to, to be on the show today, Julian. Thanks again. And so just as we close off, I wanted to um, ask you a little bit more about your unique social enterprise around Data Gives Back. Based on what I understand so far, I'm, I'm really impressed with what you're doing, and I wanted our audience to learn a little bit more. Excellent. Thank you. It's, it's been a really exciting time so far. Uh, I can't believe it's, it's really only been about six weeks since I kind of launched it into this, this soft launch phase of the business. And this is my, my second foray really into uh, entrepreneurship. Had my first company when I was just out of university down in, uh, in Waterloo. And I was a little bit young, 21 years old. And I learned quite a bit about business, probably more so what not to do. And then I was able to do um, 15 years of this specialized category management insights career. So I've, I've kind of coupled all that up with, with a real um, passion of mine, which is you know, charitable work and giving back to, to the community, especially around mental health. So when I had the idea of launching the company um, kind of earlier, earlier in the year and, and kind of worked through the idea, um, at the forefront, it, it really needed to give back daily. And I needed to figure out a way to do that. And that's where I came out with this, this thought, well, what if 25% of all gross revenue, it was donated to the Season Center? And the Season Center is this very unique, amazing charity in my hometown of Barrie, Ontario, that helps children, teens, and families uh, really, really manage and, and become happy and successful individuals post uh, a loss in their family. And one piece that resonates with me, with me quite a bit is their focus and, and help for those that have lost members of their family through suicide. So kind of first and foremost is this giving back piece, hence the name Data Gives Back. And then the, the company itself is focused around helping professionals and it's helping professionals from insights career coaching perspective and then also helping cpg professionals from an analytic coaching uh, perspective and and really it's listening to them and providing solutions to help overcome their challenges 
Well, that's very exciting. And uh, congratulations on, I guess, your second foray into entrepreneurship and especially with a cause that's so important. Thank you. Thank you again, Joe, for your time. I'd like to summarize the key takeaways. Number one, Joe talked about how COVID has accelerated the trend around buying local, but that local can mean different things to different people. So as a marketer in the food industry, it will be important to understand which facets of local are most relevant to your target consumer and to find ways to play this up. If your product isn't local by its nature or production process, then consider ways of supporting the local community instead. But as Joe mentioned, authenticity in doing so will be really important. Number two, Canadians have always had a quiet pride, and I've seen this in other research we've done for clients in all types of industries. But COVID has made this pride a little less quiet. Joe believes that this is the result of the shortage of PPE in the early days of COVID, which meant that we really couldn't rely on the global supply chain. This shortage brought Canadians together to support the cause and each other, often in creative ways. Joe also mentioned that Canadians most likely feel a greater attachment to their local grocery stores, who have helped to keep their families fed and safe during COVID. For marketers, this is a perfect opportunity to build on these feelings of attachment and community and to nurture the relationship with consumers for the longer term. And number three, for retail grocery, food processors and manufacturers, frozen and shelf-stable products, which have typically been in less demand compared to other categories, have been much more active because of COVID for many reasons. The implication for marketers is that innovations in frozen and shelf-stable products are more likely to be noticed now with the traffic of more shoppers moving through more shelf aisles compared to pre-COVID times. Highlighting the strong nutritional profiles of frozen foods from flash freezing, on packaging is another way to educate the shopper for the long run about the benefits of these categories that used to be undervalued. If you are interested in hearing more about food trends from different experts and other upcoming consumer trends topics, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to Bright Lights Consumer Trends in Conversation with Element 54. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode or know someone else who would, we would love to hear from you. Just reach out to me through LinkedIn or by email at julianne.ng at element-54.com. Thank you for listening.